you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is the fifth in a series of messages that we have been doing. The series title is Beyond, or What is Beyond This Life? Talking and studying about eternity, and today we're going to be discussing the resurrection of the human body. We will, for the next couple of weeks, starting next week and then on Easter, we'll be uh, temporarily suspending this so that we can talk about some things that are a little bit more thematic to uh, Palm Sunday and Easter, and then we will gather our thoughts again after Easter to start back into this for the final five messages. Uh, I think we'll probably take a break on Mother's Day, too, for, for a themed message on Mother's Day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Father, we are encouraged by your word today to recognize that the Issues of life and death are held in the palm of your hands. We ask now that you would allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move in the hearts and minds of each of us so that we can capture your word today in such a way that we will learn from it, that we can apply it and be nourished by it. And this we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you care about the way you look? A few of you few of you? How many of you, before you left your house this morning, looked at yourself in the mirror? All of you? A couple of you may not have. (laughs) For those of you that are parents and grandparents, you know the story of Snow White where there was a queen that held a mirror and she would say every day, magic mirror in my hand, who's the fairest in this land? And The mirror always replied, my queen, you're the fairest in the land, and she really liked that mirror. One day, as Snow White got a little bit older, she asked the mirror, who was the fairest in the land, and the mirror responded, my queen, you are the fairest here, so true, but Snow White is a thousand times more beautiful than you. And that mirror was for sale cheap at the next garage sale. We have a fascination about what we look like. In fact, there was a British survey that indicated that women look at themselves in the mirror 38 times a day compared to 18 times a day for men. We have a fascination not only of what we look like today, but the Scripture indicates to us that we're fascinated about what we're going to look like in heaven. I think about it a lot. That's why I've told you that my glorified body is going to be six foot two and have a fuller head of hair. 
As we have studied about what eternity is going to be like, what it's going to be like on the other side of the grave, there becomes this fascination with what will I be like and what will you be like in a bodily form when God gets done with us and glorifies us. Any of you fascinated by that at all? Well, the Scripture has some things to say, and I would like to to focus our study this morning on three questions. And if you have your bulletin, there's an outline there for you if you'd like to jot down some things as we go through it. The three questions are this. What are bodies like right now in heaven? What happens to our bodies at resurrection? And what will our resurrected bodies be like in heaven? Let's face the first one. What are bodies like right now in heaven? You see, we have all attended funerals and Many of them that we have gone to have been open casket funerals where as we file by the casket, we look in and we see a familiar looking face, but we recognize that that which animates that person, that which has given that person an interactive ability with us, is gone from there and there's quite obviously a shell that is left for us to say goodbye to, but that which caused that individual to be alive, is now gone. And in our minds, we begin to wonder, what is going on with them, especially when we know that they have been a follower of Jesus Christ, and we wonder, where have they gone? What's going on right now in their existence? We know that from the moment that they leave this earth, the life leaves them, that they are in the presence of the Lord, but we also know that they do not yet have a resurrected body and they've not yet been glorified. And so we know that while the soul is with the Lord, it seems that what is happening to the body? What are they like right now? The Bible tells us that when the Lord comes, that our bodies will be raised up from the ground and that we will be caught up in the air and that He will transform us. Now, I believe that many of us are hoping that we will be those that will be caught up. How many of you would rather be raptured than die? That might be the first time I've seen everybody raise their hand in this sanctuary at the same time. So we begin to wonder in our minds, what is it like for them right now in heaven between the time that they die in Christ... And the time that they get their resurrected body. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to read verses 2 through 8, and I would like to explore a little bit about what the Scripture has to say. Mark 9, beginning with verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he didn't know what to say. They were all so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. 
Now here we are given a glimpse as if you spread the curtain back between life on earth and what is taking place right now in the heavenlies. Some things that I'd like you to note about this. Moses lived 1,400 years before Jesus came to earth. Elijah lived 800 years before Christ. If you look at the history of these two men, Moses who appeared and Elijah, the disciples were able to recognize who they were, but they left this earth in vastly different ways. Moses, the scripture tells us, went to a mountain. He was not allowed to be the promised land, so he went to a mountain and he was able to view the promised land and there he died and God buried him. Elijah, as we are told, was caught up in chariots of fire and did not die in this earth but was taken to be with the Lord and so we have here in this passage of scripture a picture of the two ways in which it is possible for individuals to get into the heavenlies we will either die and be buried instantly our soul goes to be with the Lord if we are in relationship with him or as the scripture that we read today indicates there will be a shout of the Lord Michael the archangel will scream, there's a trumpet sound, we'll be caught up from this earth and gathered together with them in the air. Whether it be by death or whether it be by being caught up or raptured, we will be together with the Lord. Some things that we see about that we can draw from this passage of Scripture and infer as to what may be happening right now for those who have died in Christ but have not yet received their body is number one, the disciples looked and they were able to recognize Jesus in his transfigured state. They recognized that Moses was there and they recognized that Elijah was there. So somehow, between the time of our death and our resurrection, there will be a recognizable physical image to us that not only others will know, but that we would be able to recognize of ourselves. We also look and we discover that within the scripture, if you were to read the passage, this same passage of transfiguration out of Luke, it says that the disciples were able to hear a conversation that was taking place between Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and they were talking to Jesus about what was yet to come for him. In other words, they were encouraging him about the pathway that he was about to take that was going to lead him to the cross. And so the disciples are hearing this, which indicates to us that in our bodies after we leave this earth, we must be able to hold communicative conversations with each other. We are understandable. We are recognizable. And it even senses that they had a a way that they could see the future from their perspective in heaven. So when we talk about what will it be like for us, are we going to be disembodied spirits floating around, I believe that the scripture indicates that whatever kind of body we have, we're going to be able to communicate not just with one another, but these two men were not contemporaries on this earth. There were 600 years that separated them, and yet they knew each other. In other words, for those of you who have great, 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 great grandpas that you know are in heaven, you're going to get to talk to them. There's going to be great communication that takes place. As we get there, and the hundreds of years difference between Moses and Elijah did not seem to stifle their ability to talk with one another. There's another fascinating part of this passage that gives us a little bit of insight into what our bodies will be like before we're glorified. Scripture tells us 
that only Jesus was transfigured. Jesus was the one that began, it was as if the inner being of his spirit broke through his skin and he began to glow and he was bright and they described it as brighter than any bleach could ever give him. Now, I didn't know that they had bleach back then when this was being written, but that was the terminology that the translators thought would be the best description of the way in which Jesus was transfigured. However, it doesn't indicate to us that Moses and Elijah were glowing like that. And so there was still a time in which they would receive their glorified bodies that had not yet come even though they were in a body and was recognizable. So whatever interim body God has for us, we know that we will be able to communicate, we will be in relationship, we'll be in the presence of the Lord, and that whatever He wants to do later on will be an embellishment of the physical resurrection of our bodies that we presently have. Because Paul says to us, that if we are out of the body, we're in the presence of the Lord and that that is preferable to what we have today. So what happens then to our bodies at the resurrection? When the trump of the Lord sounds, we're being resurrected, what takes place there? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the scripture says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. So for all of you who have really sensitive ears, it's going to be loud when Jesus yells. And with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Let me give you a picture. Every time I do a committal service at a graveside of a believer, I always picture as the casket is being lowered into the ground what it will look like on the day when Jesus said, I'm ready to resurrect bodies. The opening of the caskets, the opening of the ground that will take place, the the sudden rush of that which had been physically decaying that instantly is caught up. And I I often hope, just the way my mind thinks, I hope I'm doing a committal service when Jesus comes. I'll tell you why. Number one, I get to watch it with my own eyes. And number two, I get raptured. The scripture clearly indicates that at the coming of the Lord, what takes place is those who have died will be caught up first. In other words, instantaneously they will come out of the ground because death cannot hold them. And so the physical body, in whatever stage it is or whatever state of decay it may be, or if they have been um, cremated, all of the form and function will be gathered together because God can do anything. And it will be gathered and raised. And then the Bible says instantaneously. It's almost like in the twinkle of an eye, as quick as you can blink. It's not going to be like they're going to be gone and get a one-hour head start on those of us that are alive and remain. It will be an instantaneous. We're going to be caught up. So here's the thing. The first interaction that we have with Jesus Christ is going to be in brand new bodies. And we're going to be in the air with him. Is that not cool? So for those of you that had a hard time of getting out of bed this morning because you ached so bad, how wonderful will it be that at the resurrection when the trumpet sounds, we are instantly caught up in the air and we see him. My first time to see him is going to be in the air with him in the clouds. The way I picture this, picture a a giant electromagnet 
that flies over piles and piles of metal and only those pieces of metal that have a, a, an ability to be connected to the magnet fly out and everything else is left there. For those of us, that when, it, when it says that we come to Christ, there's resurrection power. There's an element that is placed within our nature that suddenly will, be abil- that will have the ability to be caught up with the Lord when He cries out from heaven and we will lift from here Because Christ lives within us and resurrection power is at work. And at that moment, there will be a transformation of our body that has died and God will do a new thing and make us brand new and every curse of sin that started in the disobedient act of the Garden of Eden will finally be reversed and we'll be made whole. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Verse 37 and 38. When you sow, do you not plant the body in the ground that will be but just as a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else? But God gives is a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Now, it's springtime in New York. It's April. Springtime. You may have had to take and scrape your windows this morning, but it's springtime here. So... When you go to the store, you're seeing a lot of this, a lot of seeds. And one of the things that I love about seeds, now I'm a farmer by nature. I grew up in farm country where we planted a lot of corn. One of the things I love is that when you go to the store, what you see on the package of seeds is you see this gorgeous picture. Let me just tell you something. This is what happens if everything goes right. You're going to be sadly disappointed to open this package to discover that those are not in there. That what is in there is merely a seed. But God has placed within those seeds the ability to burst forth and become something that is far more beautiful and something that is far more enjoyable than what is currently inside this package. So on your best day, when you look in front of the mirror and you've had a great hair day, So much that you just want to stare at yourself for a minute. You look around, make sure nobody's there, and then you guys. Man, I gave myself a cramp. (laughs) Girls, you look and... On your best day, you're still just a seed. Because what God has prepared is found inside of you. And for those who die in Christ and are resurrected instantly, that seed and all of the potential, the picture of what God has for you, is instantly blown into full beauty before Him. And you will recognize and you'll be recognized by other people, but you will be in a state of perfection that you could never attain here on earth. It'll be better than your best day ever. And the full potential that God has placed within you will come shining through. So our resurrected bodies will be recognizable as our current bodies, but the the substance and the essence of them will be uniquely divine. Secondly, I want you to know that there's a potential that God has placed within every one of you that you've never seen. What He will bring out of you, you will stand amazed that it was ever found the glory within the seed that we walk around in today.
Verse 44 says, it's sown a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. So what will our bodies be like? What will our glorious bodies be like? To glimpse what our heavenly bodies will be like, let's take just a look at what happened to the body of Jesus following his resurrection because ours will be similar. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 21, it says that he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So whenever you read about Jesus after he was glorified, you can get a glimpse as to what it's going to be like for us. Because 1 John 3, 2 says that, when, uh, but we know that when he appears, when he calls our name, we will be like him. So God's going to give us a resurrected body that will be conformed to the body that Jesus had following his resurrection. The Father is custom designing a body for you and for me. I've told you many times, I, I can't wait to see what I look like in heaven because I know that whatever I have here is a sad version of what God wants to do. I can't wait to see you in your perfection. Oh, how wonderful is that going to be? If there's mirrors in heaven, we might just spend a few minutes and marvel at how great and glorious God is. I want to suggest to you a few fantastic facts about our resurrected body. Number one, our glorified body, our resurrected body will be incapable of death. Incapable of death. Right now we are subject, we live our lives in states of protection. We do things to make sure that we don't inflict pain on our bodies. We get in the car, we put on our seatbelts. Kids are going out for a ride, you put a helmet on them. I mean, we live our life in a state of protection because we hate pain. And we don't want to inflict pain on our bodies. Because we know that you do something bad enough and your life could be lost. In heaven there is no death. There will be no need to worry or be overprotective about the glorified body that God has given you because death will be out of the picture. It will have been defeated completely. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 54 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. The moment that our bodies are changed, death loses forever. Hallelujah. The Bible also tells us in Romans 6, 8, Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. So, if death no longer has mastery over him and we're going to be like him, death has no mastery over you and over me, there will be no death in our glorified bodies. Secondly, our resurrected bodies will be incapable of pain and tears. Right now, we are subject to terrible pain. 
Some of the pain that we experience is from diseases and injuries and illnesses, surgeries trying to fix us, all kind of pains that we get. Some of the pain that you have has been inflicted by others. There are those who have even been tortured, but our resurrected bodies will be incapable of pain. Revelation 21, 4 says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I want you to picture this in your mind. Some of you have come from homes and backgrounds where the image of a father that you have grown up with is substantially less than the image of the heavenly father that loves you. Some of you have come from some really difficult backgrounds. Some of you have been abandoned and never knew your father. And so the obstacle to overcome for some of you is how can I believe and how can I trust and how can I envision what a heavenly father is like when I've, I have no model of that on earth to be able to grab hold of. Here's the image that Father God wants you to have. For all of the things and the pain that you've been through, He will, with His own hand, reach over to your face and gently wipe the tears out of your eyes. He will personally look you in the eyes and say, I will remove the pain of the memories of the things that you have dealt with here, and I will treat you as the Father has always been to treat children that He loves. We will be incapable of experiencing pain and tears. There will be no more death, and as a result of that, there will be no more mourning, no crying or pain, for those things died with your old body and are not allowed into the new body. We'll be incapable of pain and tears. Thirdly, our resurrection bodies will be physical, they will be real, and they will be recognizable. Look at what Luke Chapter 24, verses 36 through 43 says, There's an event that took place on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, hey, you guys got anything to eat? In other words, he was saying, in my body I have flesh and bones and I still carry the scars of redemption for you. He was recognizable. They knew who he was. He was physical and he was real. And so we can believe that in our glorified bodies we will be recognizable, we will be real, there will be a structure to us. We will be able to see, to hear, to smell, to taste, to communicate. In fact, I love the fact that that part in there, just to make Jesus seem more real, was after he showed them his hands and feet, he says to them, hey, I'm hungry. We got anything in the refrigerator? Because instantly that was something that they could identify with because they had always eaten together. And so we know that we will have that ability as well. Fourthly, our resurrection bodies will have extra dimensional qualities I, I like this one I have seen enough superhero movies to know that I can't wait to see what it's like just to walk through walls
It says in Luke 24, verses 30 through 31, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Now, for all of you parents who just want a moment of quiet away from your kids, would it not be nice just to walk through the wall and leave them alone in their room? A little bit later, it talks about Jesus being levitated from the earth in his glorified body. He literally goes up in a cloud. And so here we know that if we're going to be like Jesus, we're, we are not going to be in a dimension where a wall or a door or sky or space or gravity will have any effect on us. If we think it, we can be there. For all of you who have driven all night and you just wish you were there and you said, oh, I wish I was there, you'd be there. How cool is that? And you don't even need a cape. He passed through locked doors, walked through walls, could appear and disappear. So the glorified body of Christ had all of these extra-dimensional abilities that we will someday have because we will be like Him. Fifth, our resurrection bodies will be in the prime of life. Many theologians, as I was studying and reading, taught in terms of the age spectrum of an apparent prime of life being that perhaps because Jesus died at the age of 33, that that might be an age-appropriate time that we would each appear. Strictly speculation. But whatever it is, we know that the Lord will do it in such a way that we will not age, so we're going to be good. The prime of our life, the height of whatever beauty that we may have. Fully, full heads of hair. No blemishes. Nobody's going to need makeup. Won't need these. As I thought about that, I thought, what about children? What will happen to the children? I told you at the beginning, if there was scriptural support that I would give it, and if I was talking about something that I was inferring from scripture, that I would make that clear. Let me... Let me tell you that I'm making some inferences from Scripture, but I believe that there's scriptural support for this. For those of you mothers and fathers who lost a child before it was ever born, we believe that the moment that a child is fertilized, that there's life that begins and God applies a soul that is eternal. So for those of you who have always wondered, what, what's going to happen I lost a child while I was still pregnant or a stillborn child or a baby that was born that maybe only lived a few days, hours, weeks, or months and and it feels as if you have been robbed of the opportunity to mother and father a child that was your own. Let me tell you something. I believe the scripture indicates to us that those children are in the presence of the Lord waiting for you. For those of you that may have had an abortion and you've always wondered and you've come to Christ and you've felt his forgiveness, I believe those children will be waiting for you. I believe that when the Lord says that He will restore all things, that within that word all, it would not be a stretch for us to believe that though you may have been robbed the opportunity of holding and nuzzling and kissing that infant, since time will be no more, 
that you will have the full opportunity of enjoying for whatever breath it may be in eternity the growing up of those children and God will restore that opportunity to you until they reach whatever stage of development becomes a prime to them. And again, in eternity, it will be a wisp. But when he says he restores, I have to believe that those things which we have felt that sin has robbed us from here, Christ will restore to us in eternity. Now, I am not telling you, and I'm not saying that every child that's conceived and born is born perfect and sinless because... Very clearly, David said, I was conceived in sin and I was born in sin. So we have the nature of sin that is inbred within us because we are children of Adam and Eve. However, I believe that in the grace of God, a child that has not yet reached an age of accountability will not be judged for decisions that they did not make. And so the grace of God, I believe that I can infer from Scripture the grace of God extends to those who have not reached an age of accountability. But one thing I know is this. God is loving. He's holy. He's merciful. He's just. And He's gracious. And whatever He does is right and good. And He loves your children more than you do. Sixth, our racial and gender identities will probably continue in heaven. I believe that if you're a man on earth, you'll be a man in heaven. If you're a woman on earth, you'll be a woman in heaven. If you're Caucasian or Asian or black or Jewish or whatever, you will be that in heaven. The great passage about bodily resurrection does not simply focus on a new state or a new life, but also on reversing the curse and the, reversing the conquest of sin and death. And it talks about that there will be a restoration of the old, and I believe that will also include culture. Let me give you two verses from Revelation that give me the scriptural support for why I believe this. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. This is them in heaven. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. If we were all going to be unity and in one dimension, it wouldn't mention that. And then in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, After this I looked... And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people, language, standing before the throne of the Lamb. I want you to recognize that for one time and the first time in history, the nations of the world will be in unity. There will be no racial hate, no racial divide, because we will be standing before our Creator and worshiping Him in the culture that He has given to each of us. Hallelujah. Worship team, I'm going to ask that you would come. And number seven, we're going to have a luminescent quality to us. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 says this. Talking about the resurrected saints. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heaven. Matthew 13, 43. 
Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. As I get further into this series, there's going to come a time when I'm talking about rewards and what we take with us. There's indications that the more you pursue Christ now, the greater your glory will shine in his presence there. There will be a quality to us that will shine like the sun when we're around each other. Hallelujah. God has great plans for us. And I can't wait to see what he's got as he unflowers the seed into the bloom of perfection that he has for us. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me, please. And we're going to begin to distribute the communion elements. And I'm going to ask that when you were given the elements that you would hold them until everybody is served. Join me as we sing about a good, good father in preparation for communion.